Chapter 9 Memories of McCarthy Until this moment, Senator, I think I never really gauged your cruelty or your recklessness. Have you no decency, sir, at long last? Have you left no sense of decency? Joseph Welch, counsel for the U.S. Army, to Senator Joe McCarthy at the McCarthy hearings, 1954. Searching definitions for the term McCarthyism, this tops the list. Witch hunt. U.S. Senator Joe McCarthy and his commie hunting followers have gone down in history as shameless fearmongers. Abandoning evidence, they were willing to do anything to manipulate public opinion. Their hysterical hearings conjure Salem's darkest hour. McCarthy and company ruined countless lives and careers in their purge. Their tainted success also served as a model for the unknown, long-scattered strategists in the conservative campaign of 2008. Someone among Tory advisors realized that the 9-11 tragedy could be a godsend for Harper's team. Demonizing the 9-11 truth movement could do for Harper what demonizing communism had once done for McCarthy, consolidate power. To return to government, Tory strategists indulged in McCarthy's tactics more than 50 years after political witch-hunting had been publicly exposed. Tory spinmeisters falsely attributed to the 9-11 truthers one common value— in this case, not communism, but anti-Semitism. By 2008, several polls suggested almost half of Canadians rejected some or all of George W. Bush's early explanation of September 11th. Canada's 9-11 Truth Movement, which was a coalition of scholars, intellectuals, and large numbers of younger voters, remained unsatisfied with the official 9-11 story. They had hoped that the global drive for a new investigation into 9-11 would get at least minimal public debate. But the serious attention and respectable advances the issue had recently gained in the U.S. failed to materialize. Right-wing critics in Canada continued to promote truthers Right-wing critics in Canada continued to promote truthers as simple-minded conspiracy theorists who blamed Israel for the attacks. Isolating candidates who could be connected to the 9-11 truth movement was a great opportunity to polish Uncle Sam's apple. By denying credibility to anyone seeking a new investigation into September 11th, Harper reinforced his relationship with U.S. Republicans and his right-leaning, business-focused voters on Bay Street and in Alberta's oil patch. More importantly, the 9-11 Truth Movement represented a chance to manipulate the Jewish vote in Canada's election. Critically, my dismissal in Kildonan St. Paul occurred one day after the nomination deadline, so no new liberal could appear on that ballot. This suggested two things. The blogger who attacked me was a Tory, and the timing of the outrage was more important than the alleged anti-Semitism. I was targeted in 2008 simply because I was a candidate. I wasn't the only one. 
The Tories attempted to smear the New Democrats for harboring Bev Collins in British Columbia, an alleged 9-11 truther. But NDP leader Jack Layton declined to take that bait, being a longtime friend of proud truther and 9-11 documentarian Barry Zwicker. The column I had written, questioning Canada's motives for being in Afghanistan, became my extreme anti-Israel conspiracy theory, and I became the Liberals' official anti-Israel candidate. Quizzed about get the truth, Canada's Prime Minister had freely admitted he had not read my offensive journalism, but that didn't stop him from commenting. Harper trusted his internet trolls. As untrue and unfair as Harper's statement was, it was a mild condemnation compared to the language used on the Tories' election website. Here, conflating the 9-11 truth movement with anti-Semitism went over the top. Anyone who had doubts about George Bush's official story of September 11th was labeled specifically as fanatic, hateful, discredited, and repugnant. Ghostwriters in Tory backrooms couldn't find enough ways to condemn me as a crackpot, anti-Semitic liberal candidate. The Tories hammered away. I was part of one of Canada's most notorious hate-mongering fringe movements. Having whipped up a successful frenzy of fear around truthers, the Harper team then stepped up to the righteous rescue. But a pivotal decision had to be made. Which candidate could benefit most from the, albeit false, 9-11 alarm? The cloak of righteousness descended on former journalist Peter Kent. He was running an uphill battle against the Jewish liberal incumbent Susan Caddis in the Toronto riding of Thornhill. It's a constituency where a large number of voters are Jewish and alert to charges of anti-Semitism. As liberal powerhouse Michael Ignatieff commented, it was clearly Kent's challenge to out-Israel his competition. And he did with panache. The Conservatives' first press release bestowed on Kent the role of Israel's avenging angel and demanded that Stefan Dion force me to resign. Candidate Kent's press release went further. Jews in Canada, as well as those who had lost loved ones on September 11th, should be offended by my journalism. The inflated vitriol delivered on behalf of the soon-to-be-honorable member for Thornhill was jaw-dropping. I wondered whether Peter Kent and the verbose Fox newsman Bill O'Reilly were sharing a scriptwriter. Peter Kent won his seat and shortly after became Junior Minister of Foreign Affairs for the Americas and then Minister of the Environment. McCarthyite tactics produced winners and losers. Among the losers was Liberal leader Stefan Dion. He lost face among his supporters for caving into the pressure to eliminate me, as well as among his opponents and the media for taking too long to do it. Liberals in Kildonan St. Paul lost their vote, as did a solid cohort of New Democrats there who tend to vote Liberal in federal contests. As a disgraced candidate, I lost my nomination and my reputation. Not all those feeling disappointed were on the left. Right-wing bloggers, who had first celebrated a gain in their credibility, now felt they had not been given enough credit for their work. Blogger Jay Curry of Vancouver sounded especially bitter. He posted that the CBC, 
the Globe and Mail and the Liberal Party of Canada invented the idea that the Canadian Jewish Congress was driving the Hughes story. The credit had actually been stolen from himself and his worthy comrades in the blogosphere, Dr. Dog, Small Dead Animals, Five Feet of Fury, Blazing Cat Fur, and similar luminaries who had recycled and embroidered the original blog. Curry assured his followers online that, left to their own devices, those fearless Nazi hunters, the Jewish Congress, would not have found Hughes, ever. He went on to chastise the mainstream media for being too lazy to do the most basic investigation. He was correct about that. Unfortunately, Curry's ragtag assembly of pompous citizen journalists, who claimed to serve a hungry public better than mainstream media, performed every bit as badly. Their collective handling of the story revealed a coarse lack of respect for the facts and an unwillingness to dig for them. Eager to support conservative claims, bloggers offered my internet interview with 9-11 investigator Barry Zwicker during his visit to Winnipeg on the fifth anniversary of 9-11. Although my interview gave Zwicker sincere credit for having the courage of his convictions, my questions were not what David Suzuki had once described to me as his least favorite, sweetheart questions, real snoozers. They were the sober questions that would be asked by any informed skeptic. My interview was as tough on Zwicker as the one conducted by Terry McLeod on Information Radio. As a seasoned journalist himself, that's what Zwicker expected and appreciated. Bloggers had also condemned me for appearing on a Winnipeg panel with other journalists on the fifth anniversary of 9-11. I still have my notes. In my presentation, there was a brief history of international false flag operations, as revealed by documents declassified by the CIA and posted on their website. I explained to a packed audience at Winnipeg's gas station theater why the public always has solid grounds to be cautious about accepting official stories. Is it fair to judge unknown conservative strategists as the McCarthyites of Canada's 2008 election? Close scrutiny of McCarthy's modus operandi during the 1950s suggests to the majority of 9-11 scholars that it is indeed fair. In summary, like McCarthy, the Tories failed to offer facts and instead persisted in repetitive personal attacks. Using McCarthyism, Tory strategists dismissed Canadians who supported truthers in their thinking. Harper and his team were willing to disgrace innocent people by making them the object of widespread suspicious ridicule and contempt. But the most callous aspect of the 2008 election was that Tory campaigners inflicted false fears about anti-Semitism on Jewish voters to harvest their votes. Candidates for any party could learn a lot from the Tories' campaign in 2008, when they saw a smear campaign succeed, they witnessed the power of co-opting a vulnerable community by exploiting its anxieties. They could believe that the media can be talked into anything, at least for a while. Most importantly, future candidates could rightfully assume they could successfully deliver similar fictions in their campaigns. <laughs>